Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And we are back, the Garden Wise Guys, right here on Legends 810, taking your phone call. And right now, we have open lines for you to fill them up with garden questions. That's right. The number is 303-477-2473. Those are fine, fine numbers. Each one has been vetted individually. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what, what to you say, say after that? that. I don't know. Well, I, I wanted to finish up on my Beetle Gun and Grub Gun sure. little mini advertisement there. It's a it's a new, fairly new product. It's been on the market for a couple of three or four years now. Uh, it comes from the agricultural uh, use. Uh, California's been using it. Japan's been using it. A lot of places have. It's a biological and by biological, I mean it's a bacterial product. It's not a chemical. And if that's important to you, then that's what I would look for when you're going into uh, looking for some Japanese beetle control in your yard. Uh, the grub gone is, to, is a granular. You put it down with a spreader and water it in on your lawn. And you can also put it into your flower, uh, flower beds because the, the beetle grubs will go not just into turf, but they'll go into your ornamental areas as well in, as far as grubs. And, uh, and then the beetle gone is the same product, but in a powder that you mix with water and spray on the plants when the adult beetle is out and, and feeding on your plants. So that's, those are the two products, grub gone right now, Beetle gone later for the, for the adult beetles, and then grub gone again in late summer. And if you do that rotation, uh, it's, a, it's a great way to help control those beetles. It's not going to eliminate them from your yard because, like Jim said, they fly. So they can fly in from outside your lawn perimeter unless you've got some kind of beetle fencing up that keeps them from getting in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in case the yard in, uh, in quarter-inch fencing... I'll keep them out. You think quarter inch would do it? Yeah. Like, electrify it. Yeah. Then, of course, electrify it. Yeah. yeah. So you, all day long, you're... Zzz, 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 zzz. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very satisfying sound. <laughs> it is. Except it also gets good guys, too. Well, that's true. Like bees and butterbys. And okay. Well, forget the electrification, then. Hey, we lost almost an inch of water the past week uh, for evapotranspiration. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. We're getting up there. Yep. Well, we had a really good rain, though. Did you get a, a, uh, a good amount? Yeah, over six-tenths of an inch. Oh, is that all? Yes. How many mores did you get? Well, I was expecting, you know, two inches. Well, that's what they say. Yeah. It took forever to get started. Well, I'm going to hold them to it. I want them to well, deliver the difference. Yeah, good luck. And speaking of that, <clears throat> statewide, our snowpack is down to 76% of average. For this time of year? For this time of year. Well, that, I got a deal. Good. I got a deal in the mail from the water department. Already talking about uh, not watering more than three days a week, but it, they don't have us on a schedule at all. 
In other words, not the man- honor system. mandatory. Okay, honor yeah. system. Yeah. Yeah. We get that every year. Yeah. We, we've had that every year now for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And I, I don't read whether it's mandatory or not. Um, we typically don't water that much anyway. Well, for those of you on a drip system, uh, good for you. That helps conserve water. What I want you to do, though, is to find out, if you don't know this information, find out what kind of gallons per hour your drippers emit. And that's important to help you know how long to run your drip system. Uh, I've talked to lots of people about their drip systems. You know, I, I sell them a plant and they, oh, yeah, we've got a drip system. Well, how many gallons an hour does it put out? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, how many emitters do you have per plant? I don't know. I don't know. How long do you run it? Ten minutes. Well, how, how do you know that 10 minutes is enough? <laughs> you know, because the most popular size for an emitter is one gallon per hour. Hour. So you run it for 10 minutes. That's... A tenth of a gallon. A tenth of a and gallon. And you could figure that out in, in, like, measuring cups. Yeah, it, it's teasing the plant. Yeah, it really is. And, in, and also, on the same drip system, you have a tree, and you have some shrubs, and you have some perennials and some ground cover. <laughs> All on the same drip system. Each one of them has one dripper. Yeah. Now, does that make sense? Not in my book. So if you're putting in trees on a drip system, and you're watering a variety of different plants, you may want to put more than one dripper around that plant, like and, two or yeah, three and, or five. And if you're just planting it, do not rely on the drip system to water that plant for the first couple of weeks. Right. Because it simply won't be enough water. Mm-hmm. So number one, find out what your gallons per hour <clears throat> per dripper is, and then figure out, well, how many gallons do I need to put on this plant to keep it watered, and how long is that going to take? Well, we just <clears throat> heard from somebody who was watering his boxwood this winter... Five gallons per week, was it? Five gallons per plant per week. Per week. Now, with a drip system of one gallon per hour, how long would you have to run that? Well, you'd have to run, if there's only one dripper, you'd have to run it for five hours. Five hours. But if there's five drippers on a plant, you'd have to run it for one hour. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if there's 10 drippers, you'd have to run it for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- that kind of gives you the idea. Is so the bigger plants need more drippers, the smaller plants... Fewer drippers. Not less drippers, fewer drippers. Yeah. All right. I think we have full lines now, so let's get busy and talk to folks on the, on the phone. Uh, Margaret is up first out in Centennial. Good morning, Margaret. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise Guys. Good morning. How are you gentlemen today? Just dandy, living the dream. How about you? I'm doing the same. Good. Sometimes a dream turns into a nightmare, but that's another subject. <laughs> <laughs> There's medication for that. Oh, is there? Okay, good. <laughs> Comes in a bottle. <laughs> oh, I yeah. know that medication. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have too much of that. So okay. Here's my quick question. Um, it's been a, my, April was a busy month. I have not trimmed back my clematis. Is it too late? They're Giacomani or Giacomani? No, you can cut them back. Absolutely. Okay. Even mm-hmm. if they're, some of them have green towards the oh, top. It's shoot, okay they start greening up like January 2nd. Yeah. Right. No so problem. Okay cut even if they're yeah. green above. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to do okay. that today. Okay, perfect. Um, 
And the other thing I haven't done yet is take the rose collars off. Oh, get busy on that. Yeah. I, I will. And I can start pruning, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Those are my plans for today. I just wanted to make sure. And fertilizing your roses now, too. Yes, yes. Okay. Let me ask a question. If I buy, you know, granular rose fertilizer, the problem is, is there's mulch around some of these roses. Can I mix it in water and just pour it on? You don't need to. You can just, you can sprinkle it on the surface and water it in. And it'll get down through the bark eventually. Mm-hmm. Oh, very quickly. All, all the new, all the good rose foods out there, the 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 active fertilizer dissolves off the carrier very very quickly, and is okay. carried down with the water into the root zone. So yeah, just okay, make sure they give them a good soak. The drip, so they're not getting watered above. By you'll at you'll all, need to use it. You'll need to use a, a hose out there and and okay. get, and do this once. Okay. To get that fertilizer down into the ground, and then the drippers will take care of it for you. Okay. All right. Okay. Those were my questions. And bear rose food? Bear is great. Uh, there's uh, the Colorado Rose Colorado Society has, yeah. has one out there. Uh, I think it's called the Mile High Rose Food, I think is what it's called. It's, it's formulated okay. by the Colorado Rose Society. It's okay. their recommendation. Um, Fertilome has one. Bonide has one. There, there's some good ones out there. Uh, definitely get it from an independent garden center. They're going to have the best ones. Okay, so Mile High or Bonide or... Or, okay. or Bayer, yeah, uh, okay. Fertilome, and any of those are excellent. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. You have mm-hmm. a great day. Thanks, you Margaret. Bye. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, the rose foods, you know, some of them are just plain food, like the Mile High one is just food only. But you can also get them like with Bayer. It'll have a, an insecticide mixed with it or a fungicide or possibly both. Uh, granular, you throw down and water it in, and there you go. And I'd recommend, what, doing it once every month during the growing season? Yep, that's about right. Through August, and then stop. Something like that. Gro- roses are hungry little piggy plants. They are. They, they need to be fertilized to really fuel all that, all that flower growth. That's, that takes a lot of energy out of I the know. You've got to grow those flowers for the, for the Japanese beetles. Absolutely. Got to keep them healthy <laughs> before you kill them with the <laughs> grub gun. Got to keep them fed. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What time we got? Okay. Let's go out and talk to Gary in Lakewood about uh, clover. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Hey, what's going on with you today? Um, well, I'm, I'm uh, got a question um, about clover versus uh, grass. Um, are there any benefits uh, to, say, if I wanted to... Uh, Replace my lawn with clover. Are there any benefits benefits to that? Depends what you call a benefit. I mean, they're two different plants altogether. They don't right. behave the same at all. The clover, of course, is going to flower. It's a low-growing plant, mm-hmm. and when they flower, they're going to feed the honeybees. And if you have occasion to walk in your lawn in your bare feet, don't. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, the clover will also produce nitrogen in the soil for perhaps grass, if you have that there too, and it'll help the grass. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to look differently. It's not going to look like oh. a solid stand of grass anymore. Sure, yeah. No, I understand that. And it doesn't have to be a mutually exclusive situation. You can have grass and clover together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. 
does it take less water? No. Over? No. Okay. Especially if you have grass there, you're going to have to, now you have two plants that you're trying to keep alive. You're going to have to water to keep the plant that uses the most water. And which is that? That's going to be the grass. Okay. But clover, I, having said that, clover is not a low water plant. Not if you want a decent looking clover. Okay. Um, well, I, I guess uh, attracting the bees isn't a bad thing. No. But if you have if you have children, especially small children or grandchildren, I don't know how old you are, but uh, like Jim said, the flowers attract bees, and bees don't do well with bare feet. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah. No, I, I last year I did get stung in the foot with, <clears throat> with a bee, but I, I didn't have any clover. It was I actually had bees flying around my tomato plants, and and uh, um, so yeah, I did step on a bee last last year and uh, got stung in the foot but uh, um, so I yeah um, <laughs> the bees are going to be around anyway true uh, but I was just I was just curious if there was you know any you know less watering uh, with clover as opposed to grass I don't think so I think they're going to be okay. using about the same amount of water hmm the grass is probably going to use a little more. Right. I'm just I'm sort of guessing at that. And keep in mind that the clover also crawls. It it spreads mm-hmm. uh across the ground. So it will also crawl into flower beds and other places. So it's going to do what bluegrass does and that get into areas where you probably don't want it. Okay, well I I don't see that as a bad thing. Okay. I mean, um, you know, the grass is going to do what it's going to do anyway, and and uh, so you got to deal with one or the other. Exactly. Um, yeah, I was curious because I have a son that lives in Ukraine, and he uh, uh, was planting, um, or he had replaced part of his lawn with clover, and he really likes it. Um, and yeah, it does have a different green shade to it, but uh, um, yeah, he. He really loves it. So now it's a it's a great way to uh, if you have kids visiting, small kids. If you want to get them out of your hair, send them out into the clover and tell them to look for a four a four leaf clover. They'll be out there for hours. Right. Yeah. 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 And have a reward in mind, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks for your call this morning. Yeah. We had we had clover when I was a kid. My dad seeded the whole backyard to clover. The white Dutch clover. White that's Dutch what, that's clover. the one we're yep. talking about. Yep. Yeah. Because there's lots of different clovers out there, but the white Dutch is the one that's nice, low growing, and has little white flowers, and the bees love it. And the bees love to sting children on the bottom of their feet, which we all found out when we were kids. Yep. Every year, every summer. Mm hmm. Couldn't escape without yeah. getting stung on your foot. At, so least, at least once. We spent no time in the backyard. We were out in the side <laughs> yard in the front yard where we had zoysia grass. Yeah. And that's where we spent our time playing football and tag and anything else that we wanted to do. Avoided the backyard like the plague. Now, the, you mentioned that was was his son, was it, that lives in U- Ukraine? Ukraine, yeah. Uh, who has part of his lawn all in clover. Well, you can do the same thing, but now you have to get rid of your lawn first. And that's... Um, that, for some people, is a difficult proposition. Do you really? Do you have to get rid of the lawn? I mean, I think... No, the, you don't. I think the clover will eliminate the lawn for you over time. 
I, um, yeah, but you're still going to have grass. It, yeah. You aren't going to get all the grass. So that's going to require some mowing. And there's nothing wrong with that, that you have some grass in there. But if you want a solid stand of clover, now you have to get rid of the grass. True, yeah. And, and you, that's hard to do physically without using, oh, I'm sorry, chemicals. <sighs> I know. I know. Gas. I know. Or, you you know, physically you can go out there and dig it all up and good luck with that. Oh, yeah. Or you can cover your entire lawn with many, many layers of cardboard and good luck with that. Or you can hire, hire a, a lawn stripper to come out and... and cut your yard out but then you've just lost about three inches of soil yeah. that you and, have to replace and you aren't going to get all the grass no it's you're not going to come back up uh-huh so you know it can be done if that's what you want uh but be, pre- be prepared for a chore it's a project it is and you may want to do it in chunks you don't have to do it all at once yeah. i remember <laughs> growing up as a kid the neighbor across the street would he wanted to get rid of his Bermuda grass, and he wanted bluegrass in Kansas. And, uh, you know, who would want to plant bluegrass in Kansas? I don't know. But this guy did. And so he'd, he'd clear out a 10-by-10 10 10 area and seed it. And then when that was up and growing well, then he'd kill out another 10-by-10 10 10 area. <laughs> so it, always, it looks like a checkerboard. Because <laughs> I don't think he got, got the same variety twice. <laughs> it was funny to watch. But... He yeah, seemed to I'd, really enjoy it. I'd be surprised if he got rid of all the Bermuda grass, too. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, by the way, though, zoysia will take out Bermuda grass in a heartbeat. All right. And buffalo grass and bindweed and <laughs> anything else. Small children <laughs> that stand in one place too long. Uh, boy, it grew like a weed, but, but it was hot where we grew up. Yeah. Don't try to grow zoysia hot. grass here. Yeah. It, it was hot during well. the day, but it was also hot during the night. Yeah. And that's th- that, that warm season grass like buffalo and zoysia and Bermuda grass, they like those kind of conditions. Well, sir, we're going to come back and talk with Larry here pretty doggone quick after we take a short break here on Legends 810. What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You you need Colorado's own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought-resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. Can I plant now? Almost as annoying as, are we there yet? At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we have plenty of things to plant now. 
Don't fret. We have the cure for your planting fever. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned professional, let us help you select what plants work best for you. It's a great time to plant pansies, violas, snapdragons, and dianthus to color up your patio pots. Add some decorative kale, and you've got an early display that loves our cool spring temperatures. Want something perennial? Try columbine, our state flower. Other perennials like basket of gold alyssum and coral bells can start in your pots. Then as it's done blooming, move them into the garden for next year's color. Stop by for cool weather vegetable starts, windowsill herbs, and frost covers in case of a late snowstorm. Browse through our indoor plant greenhouse for lots of foliage and blooming plants in all sizes and a great selection of pots. It's all about the adventure of finding plants. Brighten up your living environment with something green. Your premier flower and plant shop, Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center in the heart of Lafayette at 600 South Public Road. For more information, call us at 303-665-5555 or visit us online at lafayetteflorist.com. Is your garden or lawn yellowing in color? That's the sign of an iron deficiency. You can help to correct that deficiency with Monterey brand Dr. Iron Granules. Monterey Dr. Iron Granules is a non-staining fertilizer that can be used on lawns, shrubs, flowers, ground covers, vegetables, trees, and more. Use it anywhere around the garden where plants are yellowing or pale because of iron deficiency. Monterey Dr. Iron won't burn foliage or stain your concrete sidewalks or driveway and is OMRI listed for organic gardening. Simply apply Monterey Dr. Iron granules according to label directions and follow with a deep, thorough watering to move it into the soil profile where the roots are. It's that easy. Is high pH a problem in your soil? Monterey Dr. Iron granules is also an acidifier that helps in lowering the soil pH and its controlled release formula is great for season-long feeding. Monterey brand Dr. Iron granules are available at Jared's Nursery in Littleton, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, Nick's Garden Center in Aurora, Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse in Lafayette, and other fine independent greenhouses and garden centers. Tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home, Saturday morning at 9.30. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix It Show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. All right, we're back on the Garden Wise Show on Legends 810. It's the Garden Wise Guys right here taking your phone calls. And uh, right now we have Larry on the line. Good morning, Larry. Larry has to talk about. Hey, morning, guys. Hi. (laughs) Yeah, question about uh, planting potatoes. How far apart should the rows be? Oh, dear. That's a good question. you ask five different people, you'll get five different yeah, answers. Yeah, probably. I'll ask myself. Okay. What <laughs> did yourself say? <laughs> I'd put them at least a foot apart. Yeah, I was going to say a foot and maybe a foot and a half, somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so set so set your tractor up so that it, <laughs> yeah. it makes rows foot and a half apart. There you go. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, 
grapes. I've got oh, 40-year-old grapes here. I'm wondering where to start pruning. The base plant, uh, the, the stems are about an inch in diameter. Do you have and one? A, goes, are they on a trellis? Yes. What kind of a trellis? Well, it's actually a gazebo. Ah, okay. A different animal then. Have okay. they been have they been pruned before? A few years ago, I think I pruned them a little bit. Okay. And what and what's your goal in in pruning? Are you pruning oh. for fruit production or are you just pruning for shade? Well, <laughs> kind of both. <laughs> okay. The, the gazebo faces uh, faces east and the grapes are on the west side. To prevent uh, heavy sunlight in the afternoon, uh-huh. and I like to get a few grapes out of it. They're uh, they're tasty, but they do have seeds, so we don't do yeah. much anything mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. So there must uh, be a purple, uh, probably Concord grape. Yeah, it's Concord. Oh, okay. Grape. Well, if you want, if you can get up into the trellis and take a look, see what you have up there, you should be able to differ- differentiate all the stems that grew last year. And typically, those would be really long stems. Unbranched stems. Yeah, unbranched, and they'll be smaller diameter than probably anything else up there. And more than likely, even a different color. A little brownish. Yeah. 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 Now, those are the ones that are going to bloom this year. Right. And typically, if you had them on a typical grape trellis, you would trim those back. Probably. Well, it depends on how long they are, but you can trim them back really quite a long ways. And, and those are the ones okay. will set fruit this year. If you were to follow that new growth back to where it originates with the main stem, and then count, count starting at that, that juncture, count out about 9 or 10, 12 buds, and then make your cut at that point. Because it's those first 10 to 12 buds that produce the main fruit crop, and everything else will just be foliage. Okay. So you, like, I, like Jim said, you're going to be cutting... 75% of the growth off? Yeah. Could be that much, yeah. Yeah. Now, you may look up and see that there are some much older stems that are probably shredding. The bark is shredding off of that. And if you can separate those in your mind so that you only have a couple of last year's growth coming off of that, and then all the rest you can cut away. Otherwise, they'll just keep growing like forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it's not going to be real scientific on what you're doing because since since you're growing it for multiple purposes, some fruit production, some shade production, uh, I would think your shade production is probably the most important, and then fruit production would be secondary. So yeah. um, maybe not pruning it by quite as, as much as I suggested for the fruit production, maybe split the difference so that you do get a lot of leaf growth as well. Do more shade than fruit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I'll have to climb up there and see what I got. Now, for what it's worth, um, I dealt with a similar situation of big pergola, actually. Uh, the whole, you know, several families could fit under there and have a picnic. And uh, it, the, the vine just got way out of hand. And one year it was decided that we're going to start this over again. And we cut everything off of it down to the side of the, of the pergola. And that next year, it put on tremendous growth. 
probably no fruit though. Probably huh? no. Fr- I don't think we got any fruit that year. But it was sort of right back where it was uh, two years before, in one year. Okay, refresh me again. What's the pergola? Well, the pergola, that's the overhead part. That's the structure. That's the structure. Overhead structure. Okay. Like your gazebo. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. So what Jim was saying okay. is they took, they took basically all the growth off the, the wooden structure back to the main stem that, that travels up the side of the structure. Uh-huh. And just and just cut it all the way back to that main stem that that went to the top of the structure. Hmm. That that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, it's a drastic cut. Drastic is right, and, and, and you may not need to do that if yeah. yours isn't that out of control. Well, I don't know. It's it's on its way to being out of control. Yeah. <laughs> so the more out of control it's getting, the the more that you are going to have to remove. It's making headway. Okay. In that direction. Well, it'll put on, well, I'm sure you're well aware, you know, 15 to 20 feet of growth in a single season. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I've, I've come to back in the past and had something like that happen. So mm-hmm. I know. Okay. Well, I'll have to play around here a little bit and see what I can come up with. Uh, quickly, also, is it time to uncover the uh, strawberries, which I had mulched with? Oh, hay? yeah. That's, it's time. Yep. Pull it off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Break it off gently. <clears throat> Correct. Okay. What What do you have over them now? Straw. Oh, might be able to just move it in between plants. Keep it as a mulch. Yeah, keep it as a mulch there. For this fall. Or for the summer to well, keep it from summer. getting too yeah. dry. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and this okay. fall you have to get some new straw and put up over. You, I mean, you don't have to, but uh, it's usually a good idea. So you're just saying, Jim, that he should just go around to the individual plants and pull the straw yeah. back a little bit so mm-hmm. that it gives him room to grow? Yeah. yeah. And leave the straw in place. Well, they're popping up already. So. Good. Well, that, the straw will help keep the strawberries up off the, off the yes. ground so they yes. don't rot. Maybe I should just leave them like they are then. And you have to keep them up high so the birds can find them. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want that. Okay. One other last question. What's the latest on rabbit control? A twenty-two. Oh, I'd love to, but I'm in the town here. A 38's louder, but it works too. Yeah. That's true too. <laughs> yeah. And dogs. Yeah, I mean the typical kind of stuff. But there are repellents you can use. There's one that I use. I have a corner lot, and my front yard is exposed to rabbits. Um, I use liquid fence. But I use the granular form, not the liquid form. It's still called liquid fence, but it's granules. Okay. And then I also use predator urine, which you can buy at the garden center. You can get fox and coyote and wolf and mountain lion. Um, I, typically, fox works just fine. Okay. And I use those in combination. Don't let the fox urine get on your hands or your clothing or anything that you're going to walk in the house with. Because <laughs> it's just, it's, it's rank. <laughs> okay. All righty. And then the last resort is live traps. And then and, and, and relocate them, you know, 150 miles east. Right. Take them to Lyman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, and is any of that uh, any of that stuff the granular stuff? Maybe is that dangerous for pets? Not at all. No. 
No, it doesn't hurt pets at all. No, it's not. It's not a problem for birds, pets, children, uh, sloths, elephants. All those things. They're fine. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I can think of at the moment. Okay. So, thanks for your help, guys. Appreciate it. You, you bet. bet. Thanks for the call. All right. Bye bye. And now it's your turn to give us a call, 303-477-2473. We'll get you right in here to the studio <clears throat> with the garden question in mind, of course. And in the meantime, I can remind you that today is International Doodle Dog Day. Now, I don't have any idea. What is a doodle dog? Anybody know? Well, it's a poodle crossed with something that starts with a D, like a dachshund. <laughs> Okay, I call all of those dogs snickerdoodle dogs. A golden doodle is a golden retriever crossed with a poodle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Oh, so it does. It, it's a particular half breed. Yeah, <laughs> it's a designer dog. It's a designer dog. I, and you can cross poodles with anything, of course. Well, my my friend just got a dorky. It's a dachshund crossed with a Yorkie. That, that, them's fighting words I come from. <laughs> <laughs> Can you have really? dorky? I have a dorky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what one? <laughs> well, anything crossed with a poodle, I just call them snickerdoodle dogs. Is that right? <laughs> you know, every one I run across, and not that I go out looking for them by any means, but I found every one of them has been friendly. Mm -hmm. Every one. That's nice. Well, if it doesn't have Chihuahua in it, it probably is friendly. <laughs> yeah, or that dorky thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. You can tell we've run out of, out of plant stuff to talk about. <laughs> hey, you know what I found to be um, helpful in my yard? Hmm. And you might want to consider this for your yard, especially if you're doing a lot of planting, Ooh. is to create a sun pattern map of your yard. One in the middle of winter, and then one, <clears throat> oh, let's say... Um, any time now, really, because so, it's going to be different sun patterns, yeah, yeah. and the sun patterns are really important during the growing season, because uh, a lot of times, I know on my north side of the house, far enough away from the house, it's usually only like five or six feet away from the house, I'll get full sun during the summer, yeah. but it'll be in full shade in the winter, and mm -hmm. that makes a difference on what you can grow there. It sure does. And, and how long the snow stays there. Yes. And, and it's really the summer snow, or the summer snow, <laughs> the summer sun, that's the important thing to know because that will be the limiting factor is, is what your sun pattern is during the growing season. Mm -hmm. When the plants are dormant in the middle of winter, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're in the shade all the time. So you might want to do that uh, just to get an idea, especially if you have big deciduous trees what the sun pattern is like before they leaf out but more importantly what the sun pattern is like after they leaf out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that will help you determine which plants will do well in certain parts of your yard that you might be having problems with hey i found out something last week i had no idea hmm. uh we have a whole bunch of uh, hyacinths blooming in our yard and one of them had sort of fallen over, and I thought, oh, it might be nice. I'll just cut that one off and bring it inside. And, of course, mm -hmm. it you know smells up the whole house. Oh, gosh. Which is great. Uh, but several days later, my wife said, it's time for it to go. And I looked, and I said, well, it's, you know, the, the petals are starting to dry. But, you know, I, I thought, well, we had another day or two left. She said, smell it. Uh -huh. So I smelled it. Entirely different. 
Really? And, and not very pleasant. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Interesting. So I don't know if I would that would make a good cut flower or not. Doesn't sound like it. Well, I'll, people use them for potted plants in the house. They do. They do. But smell the one that's going by. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they they do nice. They're they're nice in that they smell up the whole house. Well, a little bit of hyacinth <clears throat> goes a long ways. Well, it is a very strong smell. It is. Hey, another strong smell. I just smelled yesterday sitting on the front porch <clears throat> enjoying the day go by, and I'm smelling this spicy thing. Oh, the golden currant must be blooming. Oh, yeah. Which is like 100 more feet away. And the wind was just the right direction. Boy, it was just covering the entire front yard with this spice smell. Very yeah, nice. Clovey-like Clove smell. smell, yes. Yeah. Very nice. So, folks, if you're looking for a smelly shrub that smells good, and if you happen to like cloves, why well, plant a golden currant? Well, it smells almost like the old-fashioned carnations used to smell before they bred yeah. all the scent out yes, of them. Yes, that's a matter matter of fact. That's right. Yep. And some of the of the garden pinks, I guess we call the carnations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> they they still have that spicy smell to them, mm-hmm. which I've always liked. Yummy. Yeah, it's nice to see that the breeders are putting it back, putting that smell back into the plants. Not just in carnations and dianthus and pinks or whatever you want to call them. But in roses, too. Roses, yep. Uh, A lot of plants Mm -hmm, are getting mm -hmm. fragrances back. It's become much more important to people to have those nice fragrances. All right, uh, let's see. What time do we have here? Uh, We have time to go to another caller. Let's go talk to Jim out in Aurora, see what his lawn question is all about. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Just ducky. How about yourself? Uh, just ducky twice. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly glad you guys are back. You found somewhere somewhere else to be. We found somewhere to settle. Yes. Yeah, I, I sure I sure did miss you guys, whether I call in or not. Well, we appreciate you listening. But uh, my question is this: I left. Uh, it's reference to my grass. I left. Uh, a little bit of leaves and stuff, you know, on on my lawn uh, to degrade over the winter. Mm-hmm. And and I was out the other day, and it's it's degraded pretty well. But uh, I was wondering, because I'm not aerated yet, uh, should I rate that up before I aerate or after? It, it, neither, if you can get away with it and let it continue to degrade or or compost into the soil. Okay, now. And, okay, let's say I just leave it and then aerate. Uh, how long after I aerate, uh, or how soon after, I air, after it's aerated, uh, can I mow? Because I don't want to suck all that, all that stuff up, you know, after I've already aerated it. Yeah, well, if you can, if you can, you can mow right away, but just don't bag it. Keep it on the, on the mulching setting. Yes. And, and then it'll just, it'll just return it in a much finer form right back onto the lawn, which will degrade even faster. Okay, good. I'll just put the block in and, and leave the don't use the bag. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I I have one of those one of those mowers that uh, it has a twin blades. It's a Honda. It does an outstanding job. Great. Because I, I I have an extra set of blades for it. So about halfway through the season, I I, I interchange them. Well, I I was just going to say. After you, uh, after you do your aerating and you have all those plugs laying around, if you run your mower over it, you'll probably want to sharpen those blades right after that. Because uh, well, those... They're, those... They're, 
Go ahead. I, 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 actually, I have, uh, I have two sets. I, that Good. way I always have a set that's sharp. Good, yeah, because those plugs will dull up a blade real fast when you when you mow over them. Yeah, and if the blade is, if the blade is dull, it'll just rip the grass. It won't cut it. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. If, if it's dull or if, it, if the grass is wet when you cut it, it'll just rip it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you'll see it. You'll see all this dry or this brown haze across your lawn. Yeah, exactly. Yep. yep. Uh, another quick question, uh, and I, I didn't ask you this one. I, I talked to you once last year. Reference to uh, a, a bilberry bush. You know, that's the one that has those little orange berries on it. Oh, barberry. Yeah. Or barberry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, how 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 deep and how much spread do those roots go? They don't go very deep. It's a pretty fibrous root rooted uh, plant. Well, what what is not very deep? No, it, it doesn't 12, have big, 12 to heavy 18, roots. Twelve yeah. to eighteen inches at yeah. the most. Oh, that's all. Yeah. If oh, your plant's okay. not if your plant's not too big, you probably are, are able to just go around it with a spade, and maybe just pop the whole thing out of the ground. Okay. You know, I've got one in, in my front. I've got to. I'm going to have to remove it because um, I've got to do the get my sewer line replaced here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I'm going to lose it, but uh, and he's the guy said he said well he said once we take it out of the ground he said it's going to be dead. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, he, right. It'll never re root again. So okay, well, I, I didn't know for sure because yeah, you're well you 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 started it off with talking about uh, lawnmower blades and how you like to keep a set that's sharp and ready to go. Do the yeah. same thing with your shovel too. Sharpen it. Oh, I do that. Okay. And you know that I, I really a makes a difference cut. when trying to dig out plants, cutting I roots. I have what I call spring notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, but uh, and now and and I also should add uh, what a little bit of nitrogen, a little bit of iron, or what to the grass? Oh, to the grass. Yeah, just a general purpose lawn food this time of year would be excellent. Something oh, okay. that's a high high nitrogen, slow release. What, what can I do for those nasty dandelions? Well. Go ahead. I, you can you can apply an herbicide with a tank sprayer and just hit the the plants that are in your yard without having to go over the entire yard. Spot spot beat them. Yeah, spot treat them. Right, yeah. exactly. And that works okay. really quite well. I prefer using a liquid rather than doing a weed and feed yeah. type granular product because you don't need that weed killer all over the entire yard. Just where you need the right. just where you've got the weed. So use a liquid, spot treat, and you're much better off. Does Fertilome have something good? Yes, Fertilome has a product called Weed Free Zone. Okay, got it. Okay. Okay. And that that Very works good. that works beautifully. Okay, good. And I uh, appreciate your time. And again, I'm I'm glad you guys are back on the air again. I'm glad you found us. Thanks for listening. You, you have helped me out a lot uh, over the years, uh, many many times. Excellent. Uh, we're, by listening. We're, we're glad about that. Appreciate the time. Anyway, welcome back, and have a good okay. weekend. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome. Bye. So we have empty lines right now. We do, and here is a way to fill them up. You, uh, you find your dialing device, whatever that it happens to be, whether you call it dialing or punching numbers, and you know, whatever. Just put these numbers in, 303-477-2473. And that'll get you in here. And uh, Sean will answer the phone and uh, find out who you are and what the size of your left shoe is. And, you know, that sort of important stuff. 
In the meantime, we're going to take a little short break while you do all of that stuff I just told you to do right here on Legends 810. At DeWitt Company, we have fabrics for every reason, products for every season. With summer gardens just around the corner, now is the time to select DeWitt landscaping fabrics to block and prevent weeds without harmful chemicals. Save time and trouble pulling weeds by installing fabrics for every application under the sun. DeWitt Weed Barrier and Weed Barrier Pro block weeds guaranteed and allows air, water, and nutrients to pass through. The fabric conserves soil moisture and promotes plant growth. New to the lineup, DeWitt Garden Weed Barrier, a biodegradable paper mulch that is perfect for vegetable garden lovers and organic enthusiasts alike. Simply unroll and install before planting, and at the end of the growing season, just rototill it into the soil or throw it into the compost bin. Perfect for annual gardens. DeWitt Landscaping Products and Plant Fabrics are the number one choice of professionals in the lawn and garden industry. DeWitt's high-performance quality products save time and are environmentally safe for the responsible homeowner. You'll find DeWitt products at your favorite independent garden center retailers. The friendly folks at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden are excited that spring is really here. Use nice days to clean or prepare your garden and flower beds. Use not-so-nice days to plan for those gardens or dream about additions to your landscape. This might be the year to add a fountain, birdbath, or bench. Jared's has a great selection of those items. And, of course, they can special order a fountain if they don't have what you're looking for. More spring product arrives almost daily. The nursery is bursting with budding trees and shrubs, and the greenhouses are fully stocked with your favorite flowers and veggies. This is a great time to overseed your lawn if it was sparse last year. Grass seed germinates best in cooler weather, and Mother Nature often helps with the watering in May. If you had weed issues last year and do not plan to overseed, there is still time to put down a pre-emergent weed killer to minimize new weeds. Their knowledgeable staff will be happy to answer your questions about spring lawn care. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden is located at 10500 West Bulls Avenue between Kipling and Sims. Spring hours are 9 to 6, Monday through Friday, and 9 to 5 on weekends. They hope to see you soon. Time for Ask the Bonide Guy. I've got the answers to what's bugging you. Here's Johnny online too. Oh, hey, Bonide Guy. My head's spinning. Ooh. There are so many products out there that claim they can stop insects from destroying my yard and garden. So how do I find the best one? Yeah, no problem, Johnny. Sounds like you need eight. Eight? Dude, I just want one. Then get eight. It's better than seven. What? Eight brand insect control from Bonide. It kills over a hundred different insect pests on vegetables, fruits, flowers, shrubs, trees, and ornamentals. Ah, uh, hang on. You said eight kills over a hundred different insects? Sure does. How does it do all that? Eight kills on contact and continues to control and repel insects for up to 30 days. And we're talking those hungry pests you really don't want in your garden, like aphids, white flies, beetles, thrips, and many more. Thanks, Bonide guy. Guess you could say eight's got their number. Oh, you just did. And you know what else? There's more? Oh, yeah. Eight's water-based, odorless, and non-staining. So if you want one product to stop insects this summer, get eight brand insect control from Bonide. Trusted since 1926. Visit your local hardware store or garden center today. Learn more at Bonide.com. Call 
Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix It Show every Saturday morning from 930 to 1030 on Legends. And we are back here on Legends 810, the Garden Wise Show with the Garden Wise Guys. Reminding everybody, and I forgot about this, today is World Naked Gardening Day. Oh, good. I didn't miss it. All right. Do with that what you want, folks. Just keep it legal. I have some stuff in the front yard to do tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So the moon will be out? The moon will be out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nobody wants to How see that. How did they ever get started? World Naked Gardening Day. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. No, I don't think All so. All right, let's get back out to the phones. We've got Mark waiting to talk to us out in Aurora. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Um, well, looking at my garden, it's pretty naked. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess we're there. Uh, hey, my question is uh, regarding some uh, tulips. Uh, they're, they, they came up real nice, but they're in the wrong spot. Um, and I need a about doing something with them today um how how bad are they or how badly are they going to be damaged if i pick them up and stick them in another hole today oh i'd say pretty well damaged they probably won't bloom next year okay if you can wait until the foliage starts going yellow then you can dig them up move them pretty easily okay uh, either that or just call them a done deal. But well, in, yeah, in a couple years, they'll, they'll come back, right? Uh, it'll take a couple of years. But also keep in mind, tulip bulbs are pretty darn cheap. Right. So, you know, prepare to go to a garden center or, or even at Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and go through the bulbs and, and, you know, pick out a handful or whatever. Yeah. Um, how uh, many, I, how I, many I, are we I talking about? Just, pardon? How many are we talking about? Um... There's like three or four. They're, they're oh. in the mailbox. It has a, a planter box, and it's deteriorated, and, you know, just going to I see. Clean so it you're, yeah. you're wanting to clean it up. So, yeah, I, I think the only thing you can do is move them now if you're going to be cleaning that stuff up. Just take as many roots with the plant as you can. Okay. And, and that, the more roots you can salvage when you're moving them, the better. And have your new hole dug already, ready to go, before you take up the, the tulips. And um, how how far down um, should I expect to dig? At least eight or ten inches. Yep. Okay. B- below ground level. Yes. Or below the bulb. Below ground level. The bulb is probably about six inches deep, and then right. the roots are going to go four or five, six inches below that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good then. Yeah. Be sure Thank to water you. them in once you transplant them. Yeah. In fact, it wouldn't hurt to water them. Well, if you're going to do it today, though, you won't have time to water them now and then dig them up. It'll be a muddy mess. So never mind that. <laughs> water them in once you've got them planted. Okay. And try to plant them at the same depth that they were growing originally. Got it. Okay. Very well, good. Thank you, guys. You, you bet. bet. All right. Bye. And it's your turn to give us a call at uh, 303-477-2473. Right here on Legends 810, we have... Uh, by my configuration, <clears throat> except for the fact that it's 75 degrees in the studio right now. Good Lord. We need a ventilating system. I know. 
<laughs> Especially with us two in here. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's I, a lot of hot yeah, air. We've got like nine minutes left in the show. I know. I know. And I even took a shower this morning. I didn't, so maybe it's me. Oh, all right. I can <laughs> Well, let's get back out to the phones. We've got uh, Wild waiting to talk to us on line two. Good morning, Wild. Good morning. How Good are morning. You? Good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I'm driving to get my second vaccination, so I'm in great spirit. Congratulations. Hey, my question is that I I want to plant peas and cucumbers before I, inside before I plant them in my raised beds. But I know that they're uh, quite sensitive to transplanting and wondered if you had any suggestions. Well, they are sensitive, but if you grow them in a container that uh, you, can, you can grow them in a peat container where you don't have to disturb anything. You plant the whole peat pot and everything as a for instance, although you can you can use a plastic pot as well. How, how big of a peat? container should I use? Well, it depends how close to planting outside you are. Um, since since they come up pretty quick, <clears throat> you, boy, I would say within four weeks. So I on the, on the cucumbers, I'd use a four-inch peat pot. Yeah, four-inch pot. On the peas, you can get away with a, a two-inch, two-and-a-half-inch, a, a three-inch small I, I always save some cell packs from the bedding plants I planted the previous year. I save them back, and that's what I plant the peas in. And then they just pop out of the individual cells without disturbing the roots. Uh, so if you have any of those laying around, that would be a great way to go. And you can plant those out <clears throat> much earlier than you can the, uh, the other item. Yeah. And I'm just curious why you're wanting to plant them inside right now. <laughs> uh, I've, I'm new to the area and have been told not to plant them until at least Mother's Day outside because of frost. That's but. about right, yeah. Well, peas, mm-hmm. though, peas should have been yeah. in the ground several weeks ago. Um, they're they're, okay. a, they're okay. a cool season crop. They can take the frost. Mine have been out for over two weeks. They've been through snow and frost and everything and are just fine. Uh, but cucumbers oh. are sensitive to cold, so uh, closer <clears throat> planting those out closer to Memorial Day uh, is, is a good idea because they want warm soil. Gotcha. Okay, so I can go right ahead and plant the peas in uh, in the ground. Yeah, you can direct sow those in the ground. Uh, you can do the same with the cucumbers, but again, I'd wait until closer to Memorial Day to sow them in the ground outside. Uh, if you want to start them early, now would be the time to do it inside. Gotcha. Great. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for calling. All right. And speaking of vegetable gardening, I'm just checking my vegetable garden. Boy, the soil must have must be cold has been cold over the past couple of weeks because i got stuff that's sown several weeks ago and it's just now showing green is that right oh yeah my Good goodness lord things like lettuce and radishes and spinach they're up and uh-huh. with this warm weather i'm sure they'll be just fine but man they just took forever to germinate and the carrots and kohlrabi and onions and leeks and something else i can't remember right now it's just just now coming out of the ground. It's been at least three weeks since I planted it. That is pokey. Yep. Very pokey. And I figure it's just it's cold cold weather we had last week. Yeah. Definitely. And the soil's cold. And with cold soil, things don't germinate very fast. That's true. Um, do we still have time to take another call, Sean? You want to go to Sharon? Okay. Let's go uh, say hello to Sharon out in Aurora. What's going on with you today, Sharon? 
Good morning. Good um, morning. Well, I have a Moogle pine and. Uh oh, we just lost Sharon. Something about a Mugo pine. We'll see if we can get her back. Maybe. It looked like scale. Uh, so, Sharon, if you're still listening, I don't know what happened, but uh, we lost you somehow. Um, scale on pine trees is something that's best taken care of with a systemic. And mm-hmm. you can use a spray-on systemic or you can use a soil-applied systemic, either one, f- both fertilome and, um, see, fertilome and bayer. Both have... The, the systemic that you can use. The one I like is the Fertilome Tree and Shrub Drench. Mm-hmm. It's a liquid. Oh, good, you're there. Um, it's a liquid, and you mix it with water in a watering can or a bucket and just pour it onto the soil around the plants. And it's absorbed through the root system and carried up into the needles, and that way it kills the scale. Um, and it's usually best to use a systemic because that scale produces a hard shell on the outside that's resistant to sprays. Right. Okay, another thing, Keith, what what do I look for for scale? I can't see anything on it. Oh, well, you would definitely see it. Uh, the most po- common one is, is, is white, like porcelain white, and they're okay. like flecks, uh, large, not large grains of salt, but they, they look like long, narrow, white flecks stuck to the needles. Now, okay. there's another one, that, what, isn't there a brown one? Yeah, there's a brown scale that that typically is found on the on the branches themselves. Okay, on the branches. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and it looks like little oyster shells. Yeah, plastered. Yeah, I've seen it on a. I had a lemon tree that I had in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It had it, scale. It, it'd be a very similar scale. They're all different species. Uh-huh. Uh, but okay. what I would recommend: go ahead and cut a little branch off and bring it in the house and put it under some strong light and just you know go over it with a fine tooth comb. See if you okay. can find any of those scale like things on it either the needles are on the branches okay okay great thank you very much thank you sharon we appreciate the call i love you (laughs) bye-bye oh thank you i love you too bye all right music in our ears that means uh we gotta wrap it up here for the week and wrapping it up we're going to do even though i have i forgot to bring the wrapping paper in Oh, that's too it's, bad. It's going to be up to you next week to bring it in. I'll bring the wrapping paper. All right. In. Remember, right now we got to put their seats back and tray tables in your upright and locked positions. Do it now. Thank you for listening and participating in the show. We always enjoy that. Remember, as always, keep that shovel sharp. It's that time of year. And be careful where you dibble because that's what a lot of us are doing this time of year as well. We're going to be back next week with your garden questions when you save them up and bring them back to us right here on Legends 810. The preceding program is sponsored by JK Communications.